Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Revelations chapter 11. We have a slight change today. I thought it'd be good to mix things up a little bit. How many of you like to be in a rut? Me either. So I'm going to break things up here a little bit today. I'm going to preach to you first, and then we're going to have a great worship service at the altar today. Would that be all right? We're all going to come to the altar today, and we're going to worship the Lord. And uh, I know this is the Christmas season, and you're all excited about what the Lord has done in your life. While you're turning to Revelations 11, just let me go through some things real quickly with you. Our offering today also, ushers, will be taken at the altar at the end of the service. There is no children's Sunday school today, so we're all staying in here. And uh, that's, it'll be a family time for us. There will be no service Wednesday of this week. That'll be Christmas Day. You enjoy that with your family. Uh, the pantry. You know, we were laughing at choir today. We said, wow, what if we all get snowed in here and we can't get out of the parking lot? And, well, what a better place to be. And we got a food pantry. Hallelujah. So none of us would be hungry and all of us would be warm and we're in the right place. But speaking about the food pantry, the banquet room has a bunch of stuff for you again. So if you go to the banquet room, there's boxes and bags. Again, just like you did last week, take it all and share it with somebody. But please don't forget that because we got, again, we got plenty of food and we hope you'll take it with you. And our offering today, again, will be Christmas for Christ. You can put your Christmas for Christ envelopes in as well. Revelations chapter 11 and just one verse. Revelations 11 and 1. And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. And I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. Does my worship measure up? Does my worship measure up. God bless you. You may be seated. There was a time in King David's life where he numbered the army of Israel. It wasn't originally his idea. It was brought to him by his military man. And he said, why don't you number the children of Israel and see how many soldiers we've gotten, how strong we are and how we can take our, our, on our enemies by force. And David did it. And David heard from God and God was displeased with him. He said, why would you number the army of Israel when it is I that leads you into battle and it is I that gives you the victory? You're trusting in numbers. You're trusting in the strength of flesh and horses. You should never trust in that, folks. You should trust in the Lord. It's not the numbers. You know what, we can have the best service we've had all year this morning. And that's the way I'm gonna approach it. I'm not thinking about numbers today. I'm thinking about how important it is for us to be in the presence of the Lord. How important it is for us to feel his presence, to hear his word, to receive something from God today. 
I'm not numbering the people that are not here. Maybe they couldn't be here. That's, that's beside the point. The thing that matters is you're here. And while you're here, let's get something from God. Amen? Let's get something from God today. And, and because David numbered the children of Israel, God brought a plague on them and thousands were killed. But here we have a contradiction. Here we have an angel that is instructing the measurement of three things. Measure the temple, measure the altar, and count the worshipers. Numbers. Measure the temple, measure the altar, and count the worshipers. You know what matters this morning? The temple. Yes, you can say, well, we are the temple of God, and that's true. But we're also in a sanctuary this morning. And the, and the sanctuary is measured by God. And the altar is measured by God. This is the most important place there is in this entire community. I wish we could have a, a, a panoramic presentation today of people that have come to this altar with needs and had those needs met. If you could see the people that have come crying and left rejoicing. If you could see the people today, if you could count them as they came for a healing and left with a healing. If you could see the people that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at this altar today. If you could see their faces and count the worshipers. If you could see the number of people that have been baptized on the altar. If you could see that, if God would allow a video presentation as to what happens at this altar with worshipers. Worshipers. Go ahead and count them. We come to God because we have a need. But we stay because we love. Think about it. When you first came to the house of the Lord, why did you come? You had a need. And why are you still here? Because you still have needs? No. You stay here because you love God. You're here today not out of duty and obligation. Nobody forced you to be here today. You're here because you want to be here and you want to worship God. You've got a want to. And then I've also noticed that even Jesus learned this lesson, those who are with you can't leave. And those who are not can't stay. Did you hear that? You know, all of us sometimes, uh, we wonder about the allegiance and the alliance that we have with people. And, and is it frail or, or can it stand a trial or a tribulation? I'm saying it again. Even Jesus learned this. Those that are with you, they can't leave. I remember one group of people that left Jesus and he turned to his disciples and he said, will you leave also? Here was their answer. Where else can we go? Who else has the words of life? Those that are with you, they can't leave. And those that are not with you, well, they, they can't stay. Worship is the only title the only title. We have fathers here today. We have husbands. We have sons. 
I'm talking about only the male gender right now because I'm just trying to list a few titles that you might have. But all of those titles one day, I don't care if you're the boss of a company, the pastor of a church, choir director, trustee member, whatever bunch of titles you got on your life with all those abbreviations, they're all gonna leave you one day. But the one title you can keep is I'm a worshiper. I'll never forget being at camp and, and uh, the man with the bow tie stood up and said, my name is, who remembers what his name was? And I am a worshiper. You know what? That's the way we need to look at ourselves. I am a worshiper. That's what I am. All these other titles, they're not going to last. Prayer and worship are incense to God that he just loves to smell. One of the things I appreciate about my wife is she burns these candles in our house and creates a fragrance in, throughout the house. We have candles upstairs, we have candles downstairs, and, and it creates a beautiful aroma. Do you know that even smells, positive smells, can change your mood? I, I personally like vanilla candles. I like the smell of vanilla that's, that's burning. And sometimes when you have a really stinky day, anybody ever have one of those? And you come into a warm house and you smell good food, it starts to change your attitude. I could just leave that behind me, I'm home now. I'm in my sanctuary. I'm in a place where there's good smells. I'm in a safe environment. I want you to know that prayer and praise is incense to God. He's pleased by it. It draws him to where he smells good things. And when we worship God, he's attracted to that. God hates whiners and gossipers. To him, they stink. And you know, if something stinks, you want to get as far away from it as you can. Amen? Something stinks, you don't want to stay in the area. But worship is something that he loves. And so my question again is, how does my worship measure up to God? Think back just a little bit. What is the first thing that you noticed when you first attended an apostolic Pentecostal church? What's the first thing you noticed? Probably worship. You probably saw what you hadn't seen before. You saw the lifting of hands. You saw people singing with a smile on their face, not mumbling words or meditating or just standing there with their hands in their pockets. That's what you were used to. But when you come to an apostolic Pentecostal church where people are there because they want to worship God. They have a liberty that you don't have. At first, you're, it's a culture shock to you. But then you begin to think, boy, I wish I could do what they're doing. Do you know that there will be over 70,000 people today that will clap their hands and that will shout and that will pay an exuberant amount of money to watch a football game outdoors not me. 
you couldn't give me a ticket to go to that game today. I'm not saying I'm not gonna watch the game, but I'll tell you what, I like this atmosphere a whole lot better. And I know somebody that never fails, never drops the ball, never throws an interception. But they know how to worship. They know how to worship. And we know how to worship too. And this is, here's the connecting point that I'm making. If the first thing that we noticed was worship, the second thing we noticed was the presence of God. If you've never been in the presence of God before, and for the first time you feel something, you think it's chills down your back, makes your hair stand on end, brings a smile to your face or tears to your eyes, it's the presence of God. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. But none of that happens without worship. Worship is the incense that brings the presence of God. And you may not even be worshiping. And you can feel the presence of God because of a worshiper. If you ever bring a friend to church, with you and, and, and you want them to have an experience they'll never forget, sit them next to a worshiper or be one yourself. You will create an atmosphere in which God can begin to minister to that person better than you ever could. You're worried about what you gotta say or what you shouldn't say, but when they get in the presence of God, when God begins to speak to them, when they feel something that they've never felt before, when there's a happiness that they can't experience in the world that they're experiencing in the sanctuary, at the altar, around the worshipers, you know that your worship is measuring up. Your worship is measuring up. It's making a difference. And when we learned why to worship, we then learned how to worship. You see, God has a specific plan for worship. And I wanna share a few of them from the scripture. Psalm 47 and one says this, "Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Not our idea, God's idea. It's what he wants. First Timothy two and eight, I will therefore that men everywhere lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Not our idea. It's not unique to the Pentecostal movement. It's the word of God. It's what pleases God. I heard a man say one time, he said, that a child was, was asked in a class. He said, uh, the teacher would always say, ooh, 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 do you know the, the answer to this question? The guy would say, yeah. I know the answer to the question. You said, you didn't raise your hand. You can't answer until you first raise your hand in this class. He went to a Pentecostal church the next Sunday. People everywhere had their hands up. He said, these people know all the answers. These people got all the answers. Their hands are up in the air. I want you to know we do know the answer and his name is Jesus. And whatever your question is, lift up your hands without wrath, without doubting, and just trust in God and worship him. And all those things will take care of themselves. 
2 Samuel, when the, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back into Israel, 2 Samuel 6 and 14 says, and David danced. He danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Can you imagine that? The king of Israel is out there dancing, shouting, singing. The trumpets are playing and he's the worship leader. He's the worship leader. Everybody needs to lead a worship service. I said, everybody needs to lead a worship service. Don't wait for somebody else to do what you ought to do. Do what you know to do. Well, I don't feel it. Well, you probably won't feel like going to work tomorrow either. But you probably will. Because you want to be paid. Right? There are just some things you do because you know they're right. And you want the presence of God in your life. And you don't want another mundane service. You want the supernatural in the temple, at the altar, being counted with the worshipers. That was David. Take a look at Psalm 149. This is verse 1. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Let all Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful unto their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and with the harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud even upon their beds. Worship is not limited just to the sanctuary. It's in your home. It's in your bedroom. You having trouble sleeping at night? Count your blessings. I know I've told you this before, but... One of my favorite songs at Christmas time was sung by Bing Crosby. When you're worried and you can't sleep, count your blessings instead of sheep and you'll go to sleep counting your blessings. What is the song saying? Worship God for what he's already given you. What you already have. Recently we've had some Dinner time is real special in the Kylie house. It's the one time where we all get to have a meal together each day. And one of the first things I think of is, isn't it great to be in a warm house? Having a good meal. And being able to talk about the Lord even at dinner time. Our houses need to be sanctuaries too. And our bedroom. Hey, you could even be laying on your back and lift your hands and worship God. So if you can't sleep, try worshiping. Psalm 150, praise ye the Lord, praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. What will I praise him for? Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet and praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and with the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals and praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. 
And if you can't play a musical instrument, and if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, then let everything that hath breath, everybody's breathing this morning, just praise him, just worship him. That's what he wants. He wants to be worshiped and he wants to be appreciated. And every parent can say amen to that. We want to be appreciated. Well, God is the same. So what is God looking for in us today? John chapter four will answer that question. John chapter four and verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now it is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Do you know what God does in the sanctuary? He walks around looking for worshipers. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for worshipers. I'm not looking for grumps. I'm not looking for prideful, angry people. I'm looking for worshipers. Sometimes when I come into a service late and I come through the back door and nobody can see me and I can see the back of all of you, it's so encouraging to me to see some people just with their hands in the air and their eyes closed and singing with a smile on their face. If that can be pleasing to a pastor, how much more pleasing can it be to God? Because that's what he's looking for. But people with their eyes open and their hearts closed and their hands at their side can come to a service and walk away and never be changed because they didn't worship. We need to take advantage of every opportunity we have to worship. I thank God for this church and the music department that we have, the skilled musicians and singers of which I am not numbered. But I am glad for people that can sing, that can play, that inspire I said they inspire worship. They are to add to the fragrance. They do not make the fragrance. We make the fragrance. Are you hearing me? We make the fragrance. We are the apothecaries. We are the pharmacists that put the materials together that burn, that bring a sweet-smelling savor to God. That's our responsibility, not hers, not his, ours. If you want to help us, that's why I love to see musicians that worship. That's why I love to sing a choir that worships. It's not a performance. It's a worship service. And everybody needs to be a worshiper. Can I get an amen? Everybody needs to be a worshiper. No deposit, no return. You don't put anything in, you ain't gonna get anything out. But if you can just shut the world out, if you can just shut off all your worries, if you can just be thankful for what God has done in your life, if you can be counting your blessings, if you can be a worshiper, God will find you and God will bless you. And you won't leave the same way you came. 
How does my worship measure up? And worship is more than just singing. Worship is giving and worship is living. It is. We think that sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, well, you know, when I worship, that's when I sing and clap and lift my hands. That's part of it. But the way we live is worship too. And giving, and I'm not just talking about money either. I'm talking about talents and gifts and time and energy. That's worship too. That's all contributing to worship. Can I get an amen? Grabbing a shovel. I saw people out there shoveling sidewalks today. That's worship. That's worship. One young man, he grabbed the shovel. I said, I guess you're learning how to pastor. You gotta be willing to do things, and not with an attitude. Oh boy, where's everybody else? How come nobody else can grab a shovel? That is not worship. That's complaining. Hey, I'm not preaching long today, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it. I was out, I did grab a shovel for a little while today, and I had the opportunity to look to the north, and it's not really that cold today, folks. And the wind was not blowing, and the snow was really coming down, and it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I know it's not good for driving, but it's good for looking. You look at it, and it's beautiful. And you, th- and you know, I had thoughts go through, is somebody gonna help me? Plenty of people were helping me. But when you get an attitude of, when's somebody else gonna do something around here? You're creating a stink. If you can't do it with a proper attitude, then pray through and then go do it. Don't just not do it. Well, I don't have a good attitude, so I'm not gonna do it. No, get a good attitude and go back and do it. Who you do it, remember this, remember. Remember who you're working for. And be kind to those you're working with or you're not working with. Still be kind. That's all a part of worship. Now let me show you a worshiper. Acts chapter 10, verse one. Now there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Listen to the descriptive terms of this worshiper. Devout, that means committed. One that feared God, that means he reverenced God. And, and it was with all of his house. He instructed his family to do the same. He gave much alms. That means money. He was a financial giver. He gave to the people and he prayed to God always. This is a worshiper. He's a worshiper. And this worshiper saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he asked of him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And the angel said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. The worship, the incense was ascending and it was building a memorial before God that he would not ignore. 
I hear your prayers. I see your giving. I recognize that you're devout. I know that you fear God. I know that you instruct your family the same. You are a worshiper, and this is the kind of person that God looks for and wants to bless, and he's not even a Jew. And to this point in the scriptures, the Jews believed they were the only ones that could be saved. But this Gentile, this Roman, this Italian was a worshiper. And that worship was ascending all the way to heaven. See, when you give, give up. Don't give out. You've heard me say it before. Don't give out, give up. In so much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. See, you do it to God before you do it to others. You think it's just about you and your relationship with people. No, it starts with your relationship to God. So always recognize that the things that we're doing that are pleasing to God in worship are going up and it brings God down. God responds to worship. So how does my worship measure up? Let me share this thought with you too. You may not always feel like praising God, but you can still worship God. Say, what's that mean? Well, praise is based upon performance. People will, will praise actors, athletes, singers, hard work, craftsmanship, there's lots of things we praise. Faithfulness, that's praise, but it's based upon performance. But worship, worship is reserved for the divine. Worship is something that belongs only to God because he's the creator of all things. He's the redeemer of mankind. He's the savior of the world. He's the provider and the protector. Those no man can do for you. So you can worship God, but you can only praise men. And don't confuse the two. People have flaws. Here's one. We all have flaws, right? We all make mistakes. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. Sometimes we do the wrong thing. Don't worship people that have flaws. But worship God, who is flawless, who is holy, who is righteous, who is merciful, who is gracious. Worship him. Do you remember even, the, even Cornelius later on, if you continue to read the chapter, when when he comes to Cornelius' house, Cornelius falls at his feet. He wants to worship the man, the man of God. And immediately Peter grabs him and lifts him up and says, stand up, I'm just a man. Oh, I wish that we could all remember that, folks. We're, we want the praise of people and, and sometimes we think we're even worthy of the worship of people. We need to say, stand up, I'm just a man. Let God 
keep record of things that you do. Don't get into this praise of men thing. Don't let that happen to you. You will never get enough praise for all that you do for the kingdom of God. You won't. Even Jesus said, you know, these people that, that fast, and they tell you how many days they fasted, they've already received their reward. Let God keep track of that stuff. You don't need the praise of men. It's nice if you get it, but you sure ain't gonna be able to live on it. Can I get an amen? And that that goes for any area of your life. My kids don't praise me enough. I'm being honest with you. You know, I I think I do quite a bit for my kids or my, my grandkids. Where's all the praise? Is that what you did it for? Or did you do it because you love them? Oh, it'd be nice if you got it. But when you don't, will you continue to do what's right? Because it's right. And because you love them. Somebody say amen. I just want to be sure you're getting this. We worship God. And we praise men. Let me conclude with this. Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, Paul casts a demon out of a woman that has the ability to be a soothsayer. She can predict the future. And people get rich from this. They, she's a slave to them and they make money off of her. But she goes around following these men of God and tells that they are the preachers of salvation. And finally Paul has enough of it and spins around on her and rebukes her and casts the demon out of her. When she can no longer by an evil spirit be a soothsayer, the people that were making money off of her want Paul thrown, Paul and Silas thrown into prison. And verse 22 says, the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who receiving such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. I've heard this saying a few times and I hope I never hear it again. I've heard some people say, no good deed goes unpunished. Well, here's two men of God that did a good deed and they're in prison and they're in the inner prison They have been beat up, they're living with the rats and it's damp and they're locked up. If they ever had an opportunity to say, is this what we get for serving God and for doing the right thing, they could have done it right there. But look what happens here. And at midnight, you know what midnight is? It is the darkest hour of the night. After that, it begins to actually get lighter. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And even the prisoners heard them. They weren't mumbling. Praise God from whom all... No. I mean, they were having a worship service. They were praising and thanking God for even going through what they were going through. And the prisoners heard them and probably thought they were crazy. And suddenly, 
This is what happens when the incense gets to God's nostrils. Something's gonna happen. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Did you hear that? Even the prisoners that weren't worshiping. They heard, but they did not participate. But when God opened the doors, he opened all the doors. When God took off the chains, he took off all the chains. Why? Because of worship. Because people were worshiping. And even people that were around them that were bound were set free. I want you to know the power you have as a worshiper. You have the ability not only to remain free in yourself, but you have the ability to set other people free, all from worship. That's how powerful it is. It can shake the building. It can open the doors. It can release people from bondage. That's what worship can do. Now the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. You see, if they get away, he's gonna have to forfeit his life. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Now, I, at this point of the story, I have to ask this question. If you were a prisoner on death row, now I'm not talking about Paul and Silas, I'm talking about the prisoners, and the earthquake, and the doors opened, and the shackles came off, what would be your first thought? Here's my chance to escape. I'm facing execution. I don't know how it happened, but I don't care. I just wanna get out of here. I just wanna be free. But that's not what happened in the story. For whatever reason, they didn't leave. They just stayed there, unshackled, doors open, jailer asleep, and they stand there. People will not be able to understand why they do what they do when they enter into the presence of God. That's the only conclusion I can come to. They don't know why. They just know something supernatural is happening right here, and I ain't leaving as long as I feel this spirit. I'm staying right here. I want you to know something. Don't ever be afraid to bring somebody to the house of God and think that they're going to be run off if we worship too much. The contrary is the truth. We should worship all the more. We should give God all the praise and all the worship that he deserves because we, I don't know about you, but I recognize I can't change a life. I can't set anybody free. I can't forgive anybody's sins. I can't fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. But I know a God who can, a God who does, and a God who will in the atmosphere of worship.
And if we will just do our part, our part, worship, praise, prayer. Close your eyes and pray for the person standing next to you. Oh God, let them feel your presence. Let them know what I know. Let them experience what I've experienced or even more. Lord, heal them this morning. One moment in the presence of God and they will never be the same. If they feel the presence of God, you won't have a lot of explaining to do. And they won't leave. You know what happens to the jailer? The jailer wants to be saved. He knows something supernatural has happened. He knows he's just been saved from his own death sentence. What am I supposed to do? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house will be saved. And then he takes him out and baptizes him. And then the jailer begins to wash the wounds of the prisoners. Are you kidding me? You talk about role reversal? This is what God does in an atmosphere of worship. And you know what? Remember when I said earlier, those that are with you can't leave and those that aren't can't stay? Listen again to the words of Paul to the jailer. We are all here. Still here. Don't worry about us. We didn't run off on you. We're here. Worshippers stay. Those that just want loaves and fishes, they come and they go, they come and they go. But worshipers, they'll stay. The New Testament begins with wise men traveling a great distance to worship and to give gifts. The New Testament ends with believers worshiping and casting their crowns at his feet. It's the one title you get to keep. So today, so today, we're gonna take our offering right now. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. We're gonna take our morning offering. You can come and place your offerings in these baskets. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.